Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 62, verse 6 through 12, the book of Titus, chapter 3, verse 4 through 7, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verse 1 through 20, and Psalm 97. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change. Courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as we were listening to the various readings from tonight, and especially that gospel reading, I was just making a catalog of all of the uh, inconvenient and obnoxious things that were happening throughout all of the reading, not among you, in the readings. As is natural when you read the Bible, just to pick out all the terrible, inconvenient things that are happening the entire time. First of all, there's a decree that goes out that every single person needs to be registered. That's obnoxious. And to do that, you've got to go to your hometown or the hometown of your ancestors. Well, that's ridiculous. And then they've got to travel, and you've got to go there. Uh, Joseph and Mary have got to go all the way to this other place, travel uh, while she's nine months pregnant awful. Then they get there. It's full. Nowhere to stay. This is terrible. So it's okay. You can sleep in a stable. Ridiculous and terrible. And then she starts to go into labor in the stable. And do things all of a sudden get better? No. Everything still awful. The whole time, it's just bad thing after other bad thing and things that you don't want to see happen. It's just a list of terrible things. And we're like, yay, Christmas. So she gives birth to the baby, but then finally someone says, oh, well, obviously this is important. We should get a bed for them. No, she puts her kid in a manger, which is, you know, the stall for the animals. Perfect. And then it keeps going. Inconvenience and difficulty after inconvenience. It's just one after the other. There's these shepherds just trying to do their jobs. They're out in the fields at night. That doesn't sound fun. And then an angel shows up, and the first thing the angel said is, don't be afraid. And by the way, anytime someone shows up, and the first thing they say is, don't be afraid, that's because they've already freaked you out. No one just said, they were terrifying. An angel shows up? I know the paintings of angels are always sort of like this gorgeous, fantastic model person that happens to have wings, but every description in the Bible of angels is terrifying. So this weird angel creature shows up and says, don't worry. Well, I'm worried. And then they say, they tell them about this salvation event, and that's really fantastic. And so then the, the shepherds are so excited and so pumped about this that they abandon their flocks, and they run to Mary and Joseph, and, and they find them. And I got to say, after a long day of travel, followed by giving birth to your first child, what you really want is a bunch of people you don't know showing up in your stable to tell you how great everything is. That sounds terrible. Mary is very polite, despite the fact that because of the angel Gabriel, she's known all of this for months. This isn't news to her. It's like, it's not in the Bible, but it's a little like that song, The Little Drummer Boy. Do you know what the woman who gives birth needs? A drum solo. Yeah, that's what needs to happen right in that moment, right? So we have this story that is just inconvenience and difficulty and all of the things you don't want to see happen 
piling on one after the other after the other, and we have the audacity to hope for a perfect Christmas every year? Every year! Every year we go, this is the year it's finally going to be the way it's supposed to be. And it never is. And we drive ourselves crazy just hoping and praying that we can have some ideal version and feel all of the right feelings. How about that, by the way? That you actually put yourself into a position where you're supposed to feel the right way for a whole season. That's exhausting. And then when you don't feel it, you feel guilty. I'm supposed to be happy right now. Why am I sad as it gets darker and darker and the year is ending and it's getting colder and I'm reminded of all of the things I could have done and didn't do? Oh gosh, I can't imagine what could possibly go wrong. Let's bring some relatives into this situation. I mean, like, what's a recipe for disaster? The biggest part of the disaster isn't any of the things that go wrong, though. It's, it's our belief that it's supposed to be something other than that. It's the pressure we create to make something perfect that never was going to be perfect. It was never going to be that. We are in the midst, this is our second pandemic Christmas in a row. And while I said before the service, it's pretty awesome that we're actually indoors this time, that is good. I know for a fact that we're all still feeling like we wish it could be more than it was. And that's real. I'm not going to make fun of us for that. We have suffered. We are having a hard time across the board. All of us in different ways. Many of us in similar ways of of loneliness and isolation, of being stir-crazy, of being too cooped up with the same people or not seeing people enough, of just wishing you, things could be easy and simple. And at the same time, at the same time, we have the capacity to romanticize the way things used to be just two simple years ago. When we think about what we wish Christmas could be or what we wish life could be like, we tend to think of all of the fantastic things about our life pre-pandemic and just focus on those and just like make that one thing. It's like this thing that, that I, I, I do with Christmas, which was I take, you know, the brunch from this Christmas and the presents I got on this Christmas and the way I was feeling on this Christmas and how much I weighed on this Christmas, and I smoosh them all up together into one Christmas, and I go, why can't Christmas be like that one time? It was never like that. It's made up. I took a bunch of things that I remember from a bunch of different times, and I smoosh them together, and I go, why can't life be more like my ideal dreams that were never real? Like the good old days that never were. Why can't it be more like that? And so we go back to the first story, the first Christmas story, and we see at the very outset that this was not an ideal situation. This is not what it was supposed to be. We go further back than that. We heard from the prophet Isaiah today. And these, this is a letter that Isaiah is prophesying to a people who are in exile. These are people who've been taken from their homeland, many of them enslaved. Jerusalem destroyed, their temple destroyed, their way of life taken from them so suddenly. And Isaiah is telling them that they will be delivered. But it's not like he just says, you will be delivered, and then the next day everything is fine. 
There's still years between when this is prophesied and they get to go home. And then when they get to go home, they go home to rubble that has to be rebuilt and lives that have to be rebuilt. It's like when we talk about wanting to go back to normal, as if when this pandemic is over, we'll somehow just get to act like we haven't been through deep trauma, like we haven't lost people we love, like relationships haven't been disrupted and some of them even destroyed over differences. We're not going to go back to normal. Whatever we forge, it's going to be a rebuilding when the time comes. And that in and of itself is obnoxious because we just want it to go back and be simple like it never was. I loved in that reading that you read that the Isaiah actually even says, you who remind the Lord, don't stop reminding, which is a way of saying like, you who are complaining to God, don't stop. And in fact, it says, don't stop until the Lord finally gives you what you want, which is a way of one, by the way, saying it's really holy to complain. Good to know, right? It's in the Bible. But two, Isaiah is saying, God made this promise, and it's going to be a while before you truly experience it. It's going to take time. I even think about those shepherds. These shepherds, this angel shows up and says, deliverance. And they're like, finally, our people are finally going to get to be delivered. And you know, I mean, I think, maybe you don't, I think for the brief second before the angel tells them what it's going to look like, they're thinking a mighty warrior is going to show up from heaven. All these, I mean, some crazy looking angel like you with a sword is going to show up and drive the Romans out and we'll finally get to have what we want. And instead, the angel is like, and a baby just got born. And you're like, oh, that's lovely. But do you know how many years it's going to take before that baby is remotely useful? Oh, come on. Look, babies are beautiful. Babies are amazing. They're adorable. They're lovable and all the good things. But they are useless. And it is years before they become a person that does anything good for you. Really? Come on. Like they... like. My kid fetched me a Diet Coke last week. He's four. It's the first useful thing he's ever done in his entire life. So now they're told that the deliverance is on its way, but when's it coming? Here's a baby. Have some patience. It'll grow up to be something. Don't worry about it. And even the reading from Titus today is a word of hope given to people who are being persecuted, being told the salvation is coming. The through line here is that it, this life is never ideal and that God's presence and the hope we are meant to have is not just reserved for ideal times and perfect moments. It's for the real difficult parts of our lives. In that sense, we've never been closer to the characters in our scriptures than we have been the last few years we are quite often very frustrated about fairly minor things, but in the last few years, we've experienced deep sorrow and pain, disruption and uncertainty, which puts us right in the company of the first audience to hear these words written and spoken. I don't know anyone who takes any of this God stuff seriously and hasn't asked the question, why is God letting this happen? 
Anyone who takes God seriously has asked that question at some point. I'm sure you have. I know I have. Why? I know just in my capacity in a, as a professional Christian, I've never had people ask me that question more than I've had in the last couple of years. Why? 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 I have a rule about that. It's something my dad taught me. Uh, one time a pastor said, that's not the right question to ask, and my dad st- got up and stormed out of the Bible study. And later on, he read that guy the riot act. Never tell P- Christians that's not the right question to ask. You should be able to ask any question about God you want. So I can't tell you not to ask that question. He'll haunt me. I can't say it. But I think we have the right to ask that question. I know I've asked it. What I will tell you about my experience, for me, when I ask the question, why is God letting this happen? I can start to create a laundry list of critiques and inconveniences of difficult things, of things that I don't love, things about myself and things about others. I can make a long list of the reasons why God might let this happen. And I, I, I leave that question never feeling better, never feeling more at peace, always more agitated. And by the way, I've never gotten a good answer and I've never given a good answer to that. So you won't get it tonight. I'm sorry about that. Because I don't know why. But I'm confronted tonight by the story that we've heard by this story that is just built into our DNA now of Jesus born into this world, of God joining us. We use the words Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel means God is with us. And in that moment of Christ's birth, God is present in our lives in a way we could not ever have imagined. And my heart is opened by the confrontation of that reality to a different question, to a different question. Instead of why does God let this happen? Again, there's nothing wrong with that question, but that question gets superseded by another one. Instead of why, it is where. And specifically, where am I seeing God with us today? Where do we see God with us, because the story tells us God is with us, not watching from afar, not sitting up in the heavens just passively observing our lives or taking notes, grading, and judging our decisions. God is here with us in our deliverance, in our reconciliation, in our healing, in our joy, in our sorrow and anxiety, in our uncertainty and fear. God is with us. In our happiness and our grief, God is with us. And I don't know why things are the way they are, but I know that when I ask the question, where do I see God, I always end up having an answer. I always end up seeing God somewhere. Now, if you're a rookie at this, and you're not sure on a practical level how to see some invisible God in your daily life, Here's a place to start. Look for the love in your life. That's where God is. God is love, living and active in this world. And when you begin to see the love, you're seeing God. And when you begin to have eyes for God, you start to see God's presence in all sorts of places you couldn't imagine. And it's not 
That why is a bad question. It's that where is God right now and where do I see God begins to overtake your sight and becomes to be, it becomes the whole deal. It becomes your, your marching orders. It becomes how you live in the world and how you see this world. Now I need to take a step back for a moment before I go further and I need to say, this is not a sermon that's just saying, ignore the bad stuff and only dwell on the good. This is not a cheer up sermon. I'm not saying, don't question God, just be happy. That's garbage and I don't buy it. First of all, you have a right. God has given you the right to be as miserable as you need to be when miserable things are going on. So feel however you have to feel. Feelings are not bad. We've been trained to think we're supposed to feel a certain way, to experience God, to act a certain way so God will show up. That is, that is not true. Wherever we are, whatever we ex are experiencing, whatever we see or don't see, know or don't know, or know, understand or don't understand, God is with us. Look for the love. Look for the love. In the midst of your cynicism, in the midst of your skepticism or your anger, your uncertainty or your fear, look for the love. And it's not that the fear will disappear completely, but in the midst of all of it, you will also see the hope, the hope for which we were born, the hope of life lived and loved together. I don't have to look far because I'm looking at all of you right now. And I know the love we share. I know it. I've seen the way that you have taken care of one another looked out for each other during these impossible times. I've seen the way that we've come together over weddings and funerals and baptisms, online, in person, outside, inside, no singing, some masks, no masks. Every single way we could find a way, we've found ways to connect to one another. And I see the love in that. Yesterday, I watched our flower guild make this church look as beautiful as it's ever looked. And I came into the building, and these wreaths were up. And they weren't here last year because we didn't get to be here last year. And these wreaths were up, and they were playing Christmas music, and everyone was buzzing about. And I just started crying as I watched some, some guys. I saw Russ and, and, and Jim putting the lights up on the tree and the energy and the joy. And it was just at the joy of, of just making this space Reflect the love of God. Y'all, it's not going to be perfect. It doesn't need to be. It never was. It was never what we thought it was going to be. God is with us. God is in it, in this life, in this love. Look at your life. See the love. And every time you see the love, Christ is born again, again, again. I'm so grateful for this tremendously difficult year because we were together. I'm kind of grateful it's almost over. Who knows what next year will bring but I know where I will seek love. I know where I will find God. And I thank God for you 
I thank God for our chance to live this life blessing and being blessed by one another. My prayer is that we see the love. My prayer is that we go into this world and that we point that love out and that we share that love not only with each other, but with everyone we meet. And Jesus is born again and again. God is with us. Merry Christmas and amen.